0: Hey, welcome to The Course Reports, your real deal inside look into professional golf venues around the world. This week, we're talking to Chad Mark, Director of Grounds at Muirfield Village Golf Club, home of the Memorial and home of Mr. Jack Nicklaus. Chad talks about a lot of stuff, from the greens to the rough, the projects he's been working on. You don't want to miss this one. I'm Curtis Tyrell, Certified Golf Course Superintendent, Master Greenkeeper. I'm here to bring you the smooth and true facts. It's time to get on the green. It's time for The Course Reports. All right, well, there is no doubt about the fact that the Memorial Golf Tournament held at Muirfield Village Golf Club is one of the premier events on the PGA Tour. And this week, we're honored to have Chad Mark Director of Grounds of Muirfield Village Golf Club. And unless you're teeing it up on Thursday, there's nobody closer to the action than Chad. Chad, thanks for joining us on The Course Reports. How are you today? I'm
1: doing great, Curtis. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, man, it's a real pleasure for us to have you. Uh, how's everything going? Are you uh, you feeling good as you're uh, in the corner to the event?
1: Yeah, we feel great about where we're at right now. It's, uh, it's been a good week. Uh, we, we missed a, a rainstorm today that had some power with it, and we only got you know, a quarter inch. Uh, wind's blowing this afternoon, so uh, I think our texture is where it needs to be. I think that uh, you know, we, we could use a, a spray tomorrow to get some color and to protect the, the turf, but uh, all in all, it looks like we have windows to jump in and, and complete our applications, and our staff is, is, is doing great. Morale is high, so we can't wait to get it started.
0: Oh man, high morale—that's the key to it all, isn't it? It is. It's <laughs> absolutely these guys make it happen, as you know. Yeah, for sure. So, Chad, t- tell our listeners about yourself. You know, where are you from? How long you have been at Muirfield Village, and kind of your pathway to uh, being the man there at the Memorial?
1: Well, I, I grew up about an hour south of Columbus. So, I, I grew up in a small farming town. Uh, not a lot of golf, to be honest with you, but there was a little public golf course about 15 minutes from my house and. I got a job uh, at that golf course when I was 16 years old. My father's in the business. He works for uh, Jacqueline Seed and uh, has been a turf specialist for them for a long time. And and he he thought it would be a good job for me when I was 16 years old and uh, fell in love with just the the fact that you could go there every day and have the instant gratification and and pride in maintaining something. Uh, Started to play the game and enjoyed playing the game. And, you know, after a couple of years in high school of working on the golf course, I decided I'm going to go to Ohio State, major in turf grass science and um, worked worked at Double Eagle Club here in town when I was at Ohio State. And then uh, I remember I was going to spend my summer after my sophomore year uh, working at Double Eagle because I was enjoying myself there. And my dad said to me, he said, you know, I I really want you to ride up with me uh, and meet this superintendent near Cleveland doing this grow in. Uh, I think he's going to be a a really really good superintendent, and I think that you should consider going up there to work. And I really didn't want to do it. I thought I'd want to stay in Columbus and continue to uh, have fun. <laughs> it was yeah. sophomore year of college. So I was still having a great time, but I rode up with him. It was in November. It was near Thanksgiving, and I met John Zimmers. John Zimmers was doing the growing at Sandridge Golf Club, uh, just outside of Cleveland, and. I went from going up there thinking, okay, it'll be cool to meet a new guy, but I'm going to work at Double Eagle, to we went to lunch, and after lunch, I told John, not only am I coming for the summer, I'm going to take a quarter off, and I'm going to work six months up here for the tail end of the grow in and the grand opening. And so I went to Sandridge. Uh, that was in 98. And um, I really, I think that internship pretty much shaped what I wanted to do and what, what facet I wanted to go for in this business. Um, John... And then Jim Roney, his assistant, really um, mentored me and and helped me get uh, the experience I needed uh, to succeed. And and then I went back there uh, after I graduated from Ohio State in 2000 and was there until 2003 uh, working for Jim Roney uh, as his first assistant. And And then at that point, I went to Kirtland Country Club, which was about 12 miles away and was the head superintendent there from 2003 to 2016. Um, that's when it gets kind of interesting, because I went to Inverness Club, which was a a fantastic opportunity. Um, It it put us close to where my wife's family was from, and just if you've ever been to Inverness Club, once you're on the grounds, that golf course is just so cool. Uh, Great Donald Ross uh, design. The bones of it were just so good. Uh, We started a master plan process when I was there. I had every intention of seeing my three kids graduate from high school uh in the toledo area and then um you know got the call i got the call would i be interested in, in coming down here after paul B. left and um this was always my dream job you know growing up near columbus going to ohio state um jack nicholas whole nine yards the memorial tournament i you know i at first it's you know the first thing you think is i can't leave Inverness i just got here uh and then i thought back to the fact that at one point early in my career at kirtland the Inverness job opened up and it was 2007, I think, or somewhere around there. And we were playing at a big bunker restoration at Kirtland and Kirtland never really did anything like that. And it was so big for the club. And I just, I I felt like I can't leave right now. We have all this momentum. And, and then I thought to myself, what, you know, what if I would have left and gone to Inverness six years ago instead of last year? And, and I just, you know, it, it was a dream job. And it was, even though the timing wasn't fantastic, um, I just, I could not pass up the opportunity to be here. And, um, you know, this is my third, third Memorial third season. And, um, you know, we feel great about the staff we have and the programs that we have. And, uh, it was, I was able to follow Paul B. Latchaw who had a lot of great practices in place. And, you know, it's hard to build on something that's already really good and great and, and, It's been a challenge, but I think we found some ways to put our our DNA on it a little bit. You know, everybody has a little bit different way of doing things. And Paul and I do a lot of things very similar. And, and, you know, it's hard when you come into a place that's great to to make it better. But that's what you strive to do. So that's what we're we're trying to do. And if it's projects or, um, you know, Paul identified a lot of things that were maybe weaknesses when he left. And we've tried to address those. And um I think we're we're having a good year as we start year three for me.
0: It's really interesting. Uh, everybody in our business knows that you've got big shoes to fill when you follow Paul B. But uh, speaking of shoes to yeah. fill, so John Zimmer's circle, you know, full circle all the way around. He had to fill your shoes over at Inverness.
1: Yeah, that was unique. Uh, that was definitely unique. And and it's funny because the night I, the night I officially accepted this position after I would met Mr. Nicholas. Uh, I only called a few people. I called John Zimmers. I called Jim Roney. I think I called Jim first, and then um, I called I called John. And so we're talking, and he was very proud of me, as you can imagine. And then he said, "Well, what are they doing there?" I said, "I don't know. It'd be a great opportunity for you." <laughs> and he, I kind of was kidding, but he said, "Really?" And I said, "Well, they're doing a big project, and you know, I know they'd love to have you." And uh, it all worked out. And so John has gone there. He's uh, he's he's definitely. Uh, made the place better. I I got to see it last June, uh, see the completed project. And it is so cool. What Andrew Green and John did uh, turned out fantastic. I'm happy for Emmerness. You know, I think, Inverness yeah. was really disappointed when I told them I was leaving. And then when they found out they were getting John, they just couldn't wait to get me out of there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think, you know, listening to your story, it's, uh, it's a really good one. I mean, Columbus is known, and Ohio State obviously has got a great program. And Columbus in particular is known for just unbelievable golf course conditions. And, you know, you just kind of told everybody about, uh, you know, the inner workings of, of the people that have come from there. Um, it's certainly a place that the industry looks to for top tier guys. So, you know, congratulations to you on a uh, a dedicated pathway all the way to Muirfield Village, man. That that had to be one hell of a call to get one day.
1: It was. Uh, you know, it's it's a dream come true. It really is. Uh, it's um, the course that if if you could have named one job that you know I I could have had at age forty, this this was it. And so um, to be here is is fantastic. I think some days I have to remind myself that, um, I'm supposed to enjoy it because obviously once you start to get into the details and into the weeds, it's, uh, you know, like every other golf course I've worked at you, you start to only look at the negative things and try to make those better. And, um, sometimes you have to pinch yourself and say, this is
0: pretty special. Yeah, for sure. So you, your uh, village opened in 1974 and obviously is the crown jewel of Mr. Nicholas, a premier event on the, on the tour. Um, you know, uh what about working there and being in and around Jack, or or what's the involvement with Mister Nicholas in, in your day to day? Not so much for the tournament, but do you have day to day involvement with him?
1: When Mister Nicholas hired me, he told me he said, you know, you know what the expectations are. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to let you do your job. I, I'm going to trust you to do your job. I'm going to trust you to meet the standards um, that we we have set at Muirfield. And you know, as long as you're doing those things, you're not going to hear a lot from me. If you're not, you are, and he's remained true to that. He, he he really has, and and so we obviously talk about the big ticket items um, for, for sure, and we, we obviously have a great deal of interaction during the, the right. tournament week and and so forth. But um, you know, from a day to day standpoint, I know what is expected for our members, and uh, we we talk a lot about you know being Mr. Nicholas ready. And if if he jumped on a plane and came up from Florida. Um, on a one day notice, or, you know, even a 12 hour notice, you can't fake it. And so our guys know that standards exist and that we, we need to meet those standards on a daily basis. And so that's what we strive to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, are, is Muirfield Village is a walking only golf club or do you have golf carts?
1: We do have golf carts. Um, we, we let carts go for medical reasons. Uh, in in the fairways, uh, and then after four o'clock, uh-huh. we, we allow cars to go uh, even without medical reasons. But a, a majority of our play is walking only.
0: Yeah, so you have a pretty big caddy program there.
1: Absolutely, caddies here are great. Uh, Larry Dornish, our head pro, and his team do a fantastic job. And and I think the the great experience at Muirfield is to come in and and stay in Mike McKee's villas and have breakfast with Nicholas Araka and the and the men's grill and then go down and have Larry's staff take care of you and walk 18 holes and have a milkshake.
0: Yeah. I mean, what a special experience reserved for only a few. It's such a fine place. Um, you talked a little (laughs) bit about your, uh, your, your staff and the morale. So, you know, um, tell us a little bit about your team and, and, uh, how many people on your team and, and, uh, what do you bring in volunteers for the event and how is things generally structured?
1: We have a fantastic team. I I'd put them up against anybody in the country, and I know everybody feels that way about their group, but uh, I, I truly think that we have something special here. Uh, we have, I think, 18 people that are either working towards their degree or already have their degree uh, in turf grass science. And um, we have wow. two good assistants, James Bryson, who came over from Marion uh, when I got here, um, and he's a Val grad, and he worked at Pine Valley and the Creek and here uh as well as Marion and, and then Ken Gregory's a SUNY SUNY guy and he's um came from Oak Hill so I mean we it's funny so you hire the, guys that aren't Buckeyes I tell you what that's what I was getting at we we have um I'm like the only local guy here I mean it's funny because it's there's so many transplants and we're so fortunate to recruit some of the best guys in the country because they are going to get a tournament on a resume let's not kid ourselves that's that's a big give on a on a resume and. And so we have guys from all over the place. I do think we have three, we have three Buckeyes, but we have two Penn Staters and we have Oklahoma state. We have Rutgers. We have, um, like I said, SUNY Delhi, High, SUNY Cobleskill, um, Del, Del Val. We have two Del Val guys, which Del Val, I thought, you know, Jim Broney, you know, he's a Del Val guy. And I, I thought maybe the program folded after Jim left, but they have, they have a lot of <laughs> good guys coming out. So, um, but it's, it's really cool because, Everyone's coming from a different experience. We have, you know, international interns working with the Ohio State Inter- International Program that are fantastic. We have an, an Australian and an English guy this year, and when the guys sit down in the lounge and and talk about their past experiences, you know, they're coming from all over the country, coming from all over the world, and I think that adds a lot to why I just uh, the morale's high and, and guys are positive and guys are looking, uh, you know, like it's still you know, may one instead of right here before tournament. So I think it's, it's a big thing for us to have all these guys coming from over the place um, and and doing fantastic things here at Muirfield.
0: Definitely. And a lot of responsibility for you to mentor all those guys. I mean, 18 guys with degrees are working on it. I mean, that is a big number in the industry and uh, you know, they're all looking to you to kind of guide them along the way. I'm sure you take that very seriously and make it a big priority.
1: Well, it's funny. I'm in the office right now. And one of the the cool things for me, and and you've had this happen throughout your career. um, The coolest part about our career is when you can let um, guys that have worked really hard for you, uh, you see them leave to get opportunities of their own. You're very proud of them. And, you know, we've been fortunate the last two years, uh, Kyle Steidel left after my first year and took the job at Caves Valley jared wait who was our superintendent last year and one of the most talented guys i've been around just took over at meridian hills in indianapolis and i still talk to those guys two or three times a week and it's just like my old assistants from kirtland that are superintendents now like john zarilla and Chuck Zaranik. and and we're so close you know to this day um the mentoring thing is a, is a big deal to me because i felt like john and jim certainly mentored me and and i really try to pay it forward the way they did for me and help these guys get opportunities that, that they can go off and do their own thing. So that is a big deal. It's a big deal to
0: me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well the tradition at Muirfield village continues under your leadership, which is, which is just great for the business. So let's talk about your turf. So what are you growing out there? You know, green to tea, what are you working with?
1: Well, the greens were seeded in the late nineties, uh, to a one, a four, um, I would I would tell you, we still we do have quite a bit of poenia in some of the greens. Uh, we've had it for quite some time. You know, a very shady property, very wet property for the most part. Paul has done a fantastic job over the, the 13 or 14 years he was here, of really cleaning the green sites up. But I go back and look at a lot of the Arborcom studies he did when he got here, and all of our greens with heavy poenia uh, populations were very heavily shaded when he got here. Um, so... We are in a, pro, you know, we're in the, the mode of, hey, you know, we're not going to eradicate this all. Even if I did, I'd probably lose my job. So the reality of it is, is, you know, we're spraying Proxy Primo now and we're, we're, we're trying to get the seed heads off for tournament. And quite honestly, it's been so up and down with the temperatures here that some of the, the greens with heavy populations of Poa look the best right now. So um, A1, A4 with some Poa on the greens. And then, you know, these fairways are, are kind of the Heinz 57 variety with different, different old bents and some German bent. Um, you know, it, they're just uh, a lot of Poa in those as well. And um, in the rough, you know, the Heinz 57 with the rough, and we're trying to clean that up. Paul did a great job of getting a lot of bent out, but there's a lot of blue and rye in the rough. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's starting to get to the age, Curtis, where you're starting to see that, you know, it, it, it's a modern golf course for sure. But you, you're starting to see that old course look with some of the, the you know, POA bent mixture in, in the plain surfaces for sure.
0: Right, right. You know, so you mentioned shady and wet, which is what POA loves. And when you get shady and wet, it's going to be a hard competing grass for maybe what your target grass is. So, I mean, that that's one thing that, that I think a lot of people um, – that listen to this program and watch our videos might not know is that as you described it the older the golf course gets the more uh grasses that that develop within the stand you know you ultimately have to try to figure out which one you're managing to and they can be completely different and create a lot of challenges for you is that fair to say
1: well absolutely i think you know especially time of year for us having this tournament um you know we look at these greens and i'll be honest with you three weeks ago they didn't look very good because you had this lime green poa You had bent grass that, you know, when you're going into the 30s at night, even if you're getting into 60s and 70s with sand-based systems, our greens were just not waking up. I mean, just the the fluctuation in soil temperature was was causing the bent to kind of sit down. And then you get a weekend of heat, and all of a sudden, A1, A4 says, okay, maybe I'll wake up now. And then (laughs) we thought we were good to go, and it was 61 and 62 and clouds the first two days uh, Thomas Bastis from the PGA tour came in town and I said, look, I think it's going to get warm again, but it's, uh, it's not looking real good right now, but you know how it is. It's this time of year, you look at these greens, you're like, look at all the poa and these greens. And then you come in here August one and you swear they're all bent grass. I mean, it's, you're it's right. time of year. Um, you know, it, it, it challenges us from a growth regulation from, uh, you know, water management and it from fertility. It, it's, it really is something that you have to decide how you're going to go about it. Um, I think we have too much poania and these greens to not manage it. Uh, you know I'd, I'd love to say let's let's go after this hard and try to eradicate it but we're to the point we have enough there that it, it's a management aspect of it.
0: Well, the recent weather has been challenging you know in all parts of the Northeast and, and, and anybody I've talked to up in that section of the country and you you were outlining it I mean, do you've got a good forecast going into next week? I go by 48 hours at a time. (laughs) So,
1: you know, in Ohio this time of year, this time of year, they have a chance of storms probably every day, but it's 30% chance of storms. So, you know, we have good temperatures next week. Uh, Monday through Friday look really good. Uh, They look really good. We're going to have to dodge some raindrops this weekend. But, you know, I've been a a part of a lot of events. Uh, I remember John... Zimmer's hosted the 2007 Open at Oakmont. And we got, I think, an inch of rain. Uh, It might have been Sunday before. And then it dried down the whole week. And I remember that Sunday, how hard that golf course was. I remember talking with John. He said, you know, that was probably the best thing to happen to us. So if we get rain this weekend, it's not ideal, but it's not going to kill us. If we can get through the first four days of next week and dry back down, we're going to have a good tournament. Um, We've got some applications out with a couple of penetrant weighted agents that we like that we've been using um since last summer and i feel confident that we'll get water off the playing surfaces and if we get a deluge and certainly we'll have to wait uh you know a day or two a a day probably on fairways um but we're not going to cut the rough a lot next week so i'm not too worried about mowing after a rain event uh we're going to be in good shape i think
0: You know, thinking about uh, the fact that you're held to the standards that you are, the highest standards there are throughout the season, and you've got the best players in the world at the Memorial every year, and then you've got those standards for your membership all year long. Would you say that uh, it's harder for you, which what's the harder part of your season, this tournament time where weather is so volatile and fickle or later in the summer when heat and humidity have really set in, or is there another time that's harder for you?
1: We certainly have the most angst right now. Um, because you're you have every every variable you can get thrown at you in spring in Ohio. Uh, you know, last spring we had twelve days of snow in April. April felt like March, and then all of a sudden May one, it was in the eighties every almost every day in May. I and mean, we went straight from winter to summer. This year we've had more of a seasonal rise. Uh, April was more, you know, temperamental and uh it it was a slower rise to to where we're at but mays had some cold stretches so you just get a little anxious you know um and my biggest angst with with before tournament is you know everybody wants to look good by memorial day we have to be perfect and you have less staff because we're such a seasonal employee dependent industry um and uh you, you know you don't want to kill your 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 key staff early in the season because, you know, you don't want morale to get down and stuff like that, but you you need to work a lot of hours to get ready for the tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of nervousness with that. Um, Fortunately for us, we're closed the week after the event. And then we're closed the third week of of August. So we can get cultivation practices put together for the rest of the season. And I think that's what saves us and and makes July and August um, doable for us because, we have a unique opportunity where we're able to airify the first week of June. It's a great time. It's a great time, especially if you want to push Bentgrass over Poa.
0: Right, right. But
1: if we had to run this tournament, if we had to run through this tournament and beat things up the way you're going to beat things up to have a PGA Tour event and then make it to the finish line in late September, early October, it would be tough. There's no question about it.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. So, you know, the greens uh, historically at the Memorial every year are just lightning fast. I think they're usually faster there than they are on your standard event week to week. And I think obviously that has to do with the fact that you hmm. can get them that fast with whole locations and other things. Um, and that it's the Memorial, um, you know, their, are major speed. What about the tournament is behind that?
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring this up because I asked Thomas Bastas when we were walking the front nine this morning, I said, now, where are you typically at on a weekly basis? And, you know, he said, you know, he tried to be between 11 and a and 12, 12, five on a weekly basis. And we're certainly above that. I don't want to get into the numbers part of it, but we're certainly above that. And, 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 uh, I asked why that is, and he said the Jack factor. And so, you know, Mr. Nicholas wants fast greens for this event. And that's, that's been a staple of this event. Uh, the other thing that we do here is we have a little bit more rough than your average PGA tour event. And I think that's, a good thing for us from uh, a player perspective. I think a lot of the players that uh, don't think about skipping the Memorial because we're two weeks from the open where they're going to play out of rough and they're going to play very fast greens. And we've been consistent uh, on getting some of the greatest players in the world. Um, We got tiger today uh, committed. And so, you know, I think they come here because it's a great prep for the U S open. And I I hope that that doesn't change uh, with the new schedule, but, um, that is kind of what we've done uh, our niche on tour is to, is to give them a little bit of rough, give them a little bit more speed and you know kind of be that real, that preparation for the US Open and um, if that keeps getting us the best players in the world
0: then that's that's good for the club and good for the tournament yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you mentioned championship agronomist Thomas Bastis with the PGA Tour. So uh, each week on the on the PGA Tour, uh, there are a team of guys that go around and they kind of split the venues. You're working with Thomas. And so just tell us a little bit about that relationship and how you guys work together to you know, set the targets and ultimately achieve the conditions you're looking for.
1: Well, Thomas is our on-site PGA Tour agronomist right now, and we've worked with Paul Vermillion for years. And with Paul's new role with the tour, um, Thomas has, has came on. Uh, my first tournament here at Muirfield, Thomas was on site for the week of the tournament. And we got to know each other well then. Uh, we've talked over the last few years. And so when when I heard Thomas was getting uh, the memorial, I was excited. Um, the relationship between us and the PGA Tour agronomist is not just a, a weekly or advanced in tournament week relationship. It's a relationship throughout the year, uh, you know, somebody that... I could call for advice uh, occasionally. You know, Paul or Thomas would would call us and say, "Hey, you remember the you know the hand rollers you guys are using at the memorial? You know, I got a guy that you know has one green that just doesn't take a roll well. Can you get us an, an, a model number for that or a picture of that? And, and you know, some of the practices we have. And, and then and the other part of it is they, they meet some of our key staff, and um, when you know they need a reference for a job, these guys are great references for them, and and so there's a great relationship. Uh, a nice synergy between us and, and the PGA Tour agronomist. Uh, we spend all week kind of sitting down detailing plans and, and talking about contingency plans because obviously that's a big part of, of being successful during a tournament is knowing what we'll do if something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time talking about the what-ifs and you hope that it doesn't come to that, but um, we execute contingency plans very well because we sit and plan uh, those out with the agronomists on site, um, and not just the agronomist. Steve Ren is in town already. He's the advanced week rules official. Um, you know, I probably get six calls a day right now from Steve, and and we have a meeting each day with with Thomas and Steve, and um, talk about you know anything that they're concerned about on the golf course or um, anything that I'm concerned about with with you know the golf course and the rules of golf, and what have you and and we we definitely review the changes from the year before. So. Um, it is a really cool relationship. I've worked a lot of events with various associations and, and the tour is just their pros. They do it week in week out. And we have a blast with these guys when they come into town.
0: Well, you know, as you know, we're going to hope to have Thomas on here soon himself. And, and he is recently a member of that team, but a very accomplished golf course superintendent himself. So if there's anybody that's like really understands what's going on, it's gotta be Thomas. Well, I heard he
1: was a decent superintendent, but I had, I had never seen his golf course. So I'll take your word for that. First. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get me for that one, but I'd like to rib him a little bit.
0: <laughs> I hear you. Well, Hey, uh, so, you know, thinking about the event, um, what are some of the key holes that your the viewers need to be paying attention to, or from an agronomy standpoint, we talked about the rough, we talked about the speed of the greens, but is there anything out there that you can share with the, the viewers that they might be seeing that you want to clarify or just let them know what's going on? Sure. I,
1: I think the, the biggest change we've made from last year to this year, there, there's two. Um, there's an aesthetic change, which is uh, we redid all of the walkways uh, from the tees to the fairway. Uh, they were really heavily contaminated with uh, creeping bent grass. And, and we actually did a, a total uh, renovation of those. And, and those are bluegrass, ryegrass mix now. And they, they look sharp. Um, so you might see that uh, on TV. And... And I think the biggest change from a playability standpoint is we did narrow a few fairways last year um, in the fall. So if you look at number nine and number 14 um, and, and number 18, there, there is some narrowing there, uh, mainly in the in the playing area for the tournament. Uh, we tried not to uh, make that a, a penal thing for our members. Uh, so we didn't widen the member landing area, but any of uh, the landing areas in those holes that the if the shot link shows a lot of data where players are, are making birdies from, we, we kind of tighten that up a little bit, nothing crazy, but you know, six to eight yards um, pinched in just to try to make them think a little bit more because, you know, here we've had a tough, tough go of getting firm and fast conditions. It seems like we get thunderstorms every year. And um, you know, Mr. Nicholas and I talked about it last year and we have wide fairways. Mr. Nicholas is known for having wide fairways and it's great for memberships. Um, but when these guys can hit the ball wherever they want, there's no bounce and they can stick it where they want it's, it's it's an easier golf course so we did tighten it up in a, in a couple of areas to try to you know make them think a little bit more but um you know we're, we're hoping for a dry week and maybe some of those balls will bounce off into the, the rough
0: yeah for sure fingers crossed for a lot of wind and a lot of sun um, looking forward for you at Muirfield Village do you guys have any other projects on the horizon
1: Nothing major right now. Um, you know, we've worked on those several bunkers. Uh, the bunkers are kind of a work in progress. We do, you know, we do a handful every year, just making sure that um, that we stay on the, the process of replacing these things as they start to wear out. Um, right now, we have nothing major planned, um, but that obviously could always change depending on what Mr. Nicholas sees when he comes in town.
0: Right, right. Well, hey, man really appreciate your time and congratulations to you and your entire team there at Yourfield village it's going to be a great event as it always is look forward to watching it appreciate again your time
1: Chris, I had a blast it was great to talk with you
0: thanks for uh, including me you bet thank you well we owe a big thank you to Chad for all of the insight into the memorial golf tournament and Yourfield village golf club it doesn't get any better than that don't want to miss that one this weekend in fact I know you won't Another one you don't want to miss is the U.S. Women's Open at the Country Club of Charleston. Paul Quarter is the golf course superintendent, growing lots of Bermuda on a classic Seth Raynor design, most recently renovated by Kyle Funst. Certainly, if you're in love with golden age classic golf course architecture, this is one you're going to want to see. The Web.com Tour is at the Country Club of Wakefield Plantation. Rich Lawrence is the golf course superintendent. Going to be some great action there. And the Champions Tour this week is playing the Principal Charity Classic at the Wakanda Club in Des Moines, Iowa. John Temme is the golf course superintendent. And remember, Jeff Schluman told us this is one of the special places he loves to go each week. So when you're watching golf, make sure you turn it on, catch it, support the guys out there. We appreciate all your support. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share our podcast with all your golfing buddies and friends. And don't miss the next episode of The Course Reports on site in production now. Can't wait to tell you where it's at. I'm going to save it for another week or so. Talk to you soon. Thanks.